Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. From The Recount, I'm Rena Ninen, and you're listening to The Recount Daily Pod. Today's Wednesday, July 21st. Coming up later in the show. And when I look at the data, what I see are disparities that are replete and continuous that are defined based on the intersections of race and other vulnerability. That was David Kirkland, professor of urban education and executive director of New York University's Metropolitan Center, speaking on critical race theory. We'll dig into that a little later in the show, but first, your morning headlines. A White House official and a senior aide in House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office have tested positive for COVID-19. Both were fully vaccinated. The Delta variant now makes up 83% of COVID cases in the U.S., according to CDC Director Rochelle Walensky. That's up from 50% reported the week of July 3rd. Tom Barrick, former President Trump's inaugural committee chair, was arrested yesterday on charges that he was acting as an unregistered agent working on behalf of the United Arab Emirates. Among the things prosecutors allege is that he inserted language praising UAE in a speech on energy that then-candidate Donald Trump made in May 2016. The UAE also provided him with talking points to use on TV appearances. After one of those appearances, Barrick allegedly sent an email to someone in the Emirates saying, quote, I nailed it for the home team. New York reached a $1.1 billion settlement with three of the largest drug distributors, McKesson, Cardinal Health, and Amerisource Bergen, for their role in the opioid crisis. The companies will spread their payments out over the next 17 years. They will also have to participate in a tracking system to control how opioids are sold across the country. As part of the settlement, they will admit no wrongdoing. Tuesday's settlement comes as the same three companies near a $26 billion deal that would settle thousands of cases across several more states. And now to our daily deep dive. The issues of whether or not to include critical race theory in curricula has become a political and social lightning rod. 
heated conversations have been taking place at school boards and capitals across the nation for months now with little agreement, including what critical race theory even is. We're digging into it today with David Kirkland, professor of urban education and executive director of NYU's Metropolitan Center. Hey, David, welcome. How you doing, Rena? So, David, what is critical race theory? Critical race theory is a way forward. It's a way to look at the world. It's a lens. It's not a theory at all. It's a set of theories, a set of ideas and concepts that have been debated since the late 1970s and early 1980s about what does race mean in the context of the United States and how can we make it matter less? How can we understand the systemic principles, the institutionalized principles of race in order to deal with it, in order to grapple with this big thing that has been plaguing us? How do we empower ourselves so that we can take control of our own destinies and begin to write another and a better story for our country? Critical race theory is about writing that story. It's about courageously confronting the issues that plague us so that we can finally and finally resolve them. Why is critical race theory so political? Well, I would say that critical race theory itself isn't political. I think that there's a, you know, a political party who has chosen critical race theory as its cultural wedge issue, as the latest boogeyman, and has done everything it can to define a narrative of critical race theory that's not really critical race theory. And I think that that's the thing that we have to keep in mind. That critical race theory aspires for connectivity. Critical race theory is very much American. It's part of the American ethos. And that is the idea that we can examine ourselves in order to improve ourselves. And when I look at the proposed or passed legislation that has come out of these states, what I read is not critical race theory. They're talking about things like culturally responsive education, banning of it. They're talking about social and emotional learning. They're talking about anything that deals with race and racism and critical conversations about teaching race and racism within K-12 public schools. The thing that we know, for the most part, critical race theory is never taught in K-12 public schools. So this legislation is proposing to fix a problem that does not exist. The question that we have to imagine, right, is why does one party or has one party chosen this concept, critical race theory, which is a graduate level concept in order to demonize, in order to make it into the latest political wedge issue? And that's the real question. I can feel your passion. What is it about you that gets you so amped up about this issue? If we think about what critical race theory is, and I don't want to run away from critical race theory, because as a social scientist, as the executive director of NYU Metro Center, we provide solutions to schools across the country. And when I look at the data, what I see are disparities that are replete and continuous that are defined based on the intersections of race and other vulnerabilities. And if we're going to tackle the problems that plague us in education, we need to be courageous enough to have conversations and have a commitment to tackling those problems. And I know this firsthand. I grew up in a brothel in Detroit, Michigan. My mother, you know, unfortunately had to make ultimate sacrifices to raise her babies. I ended up homeless. I was homeless between the ages of 12 and 13. And it was because of 
individuals and interventions that looked at the non-innocence, right? The non-political neutrality of race and racism, systems of racism that were able to bandage programs like affirmative action that allowed me to go, you know, um, to college. Other types of support, social supports for students who were first generation college students that allowed us to deal with the kind of structural and systematic issues that are caused by legacies of historic racism. This is my story. When we look at suspensions in K-12 public schools, a black boy is three times more likely to be suspended than his white male counterpart. And we know what the consequences of that is. A black young girl is six times more likely to be suspended than her white female counterpart. We see gaps across the school experience. The least desired outcomes are meted upon the bodies of vulnerable students, students of color, in ways that are disproportionate to how they are meted upon the bodies of their more advantaged peers. This is a race issue. And when we look across any other institution in in the United States and within the globe, we see the same issues that can be explained by race. We see disparities by race articulated across every institution, from homelessness to food instability to incarceration to joblessness, you name it, race can explain every disparity that we see. And if we want to begin to close gaps, if we want to begin to create equity, which is a principle of fairness based on a recognition that people are different and come to their education and come to institutions with different needs, if we're going to resolve these issues, we need to take them seriously. And critical race theory takes it seriously. I understand that you are so passionate about this because this is about perspective. And it seems to me like if people had a different perspective, maybe your trajectory when you were younger might have been different. Maybe people might have looked at you differently. When you look at the other side of this, opponents who fear critical race theory feel that suddenly you're painting all white people as being the oppressor while classifying black people as hopelessly oppressed victims. What do you have to say to those critics? Yeah, I I would tell them to read critical race theory. (laughs) Read the work of Derek Bell, read the work of Kimberly Crenshaw, read Patricia Hill Collins, read people who have been writing about critical race theory, because critical race theory is not about individuals. It's about systems. To be sure, our babies in K-12 public schools are not broken, but too often the systems are, and we have not designed the logics or the systems that will best serve them and provide them with the best education that they can possibly have. This may be true for some students. Some students, they go to school and they experience a culturally responsive, sustaining education. They go to school and their language is affirmed. Their neighborhood is affirmed. Their history is affirmed. Their background is affirmed. Other students, they go to school and they learn to hate themselves. They learn to hate where they come from. They learn to hate the language that they speak. And the thing is, is that the alchemy of race isn't such that you can just rip off your skin and occupy a more privileged status. And so, Read critical race theory. It's not about people. It's not about demonizing white people. It's not about good versus bad people. It's about building the systems that are necessary to love all of us and each of us. And what does it mean to recognize the problems that trouble the pathways toward that kind of love? That's what critical race theory is about. So part of your efforts You look into schools and how they can better understand and teach critical race theory. My kids are in elementary school. What would you recommend their teachers do on critical race theory? I think one lesson that teachers need 
maybe it's from critical race theory or not, and that is how to recognize their own biases and how to begin to suspend bias so that they can develop real, true, honest, and trusting relationships with the babies in front of them. And I think that we all carry types of stereotypes about particular people. We have to understand what those stereotypes are. Chimamanda Adichie says that it's not that stereotypes are inaccurate, it's that they are incomplete. How do we get the complete story for our babies? And then the main thing our teachers need to do is really learn how to teach the babies in front of them. Stop expecting students to learn in the way that we teach and let's start teaching in the way that our students learn. Why do you think critical race theory is so front and center right now? Honestly, there is this kind of COVID hangover that's happening right now. If we think about last summer, when Derek Chauvin dug his knee into George Floyd's neck, right? That nine minute unholy prayer on the altar of a man's neck that committed him to death. If we think about what happened, the outrage, and why the outrage? There had been other public atrocities. There was Eric Garner, there was Trayvon Martin, there was Michael Brown, Philando Castillo, Alton Sterling, the list goes on. But for some reason, George Floyd awakened the nation because we were all anxious. We were all in this space of, you know, hypersensitivity to life. And I think with the vaccination and with things cooling down in terms of the death ticker and its expanded rate, I think that some of those sensitivities are lower which means commitment to equity and justice, racial justice, to an extent it is worn off. And we've seen this in the past. We saw it post-Civil War when we had this period of reconstruction followed by the Ku Klux Klan and Jim Crow. We've seen it in the aftermath of Brown versus Board of Education and the Civil Rights Movement, where we get the Civil Rights Movement in one sentence, and in the next sentence we get the religious left and all of the things that came counter to kind of racial justice. We've seen this story before. The hangover almost always happens after the reckoning. And the hangover is about the idea that within systems within our, in our country, within systems within our nation, we have to have a conversation about race and racism. And that conversation is uncomfortable and people do not want to have uncomfortable conversations, especially if we belong to and if we enjoy systems that privilege us. If the system feels like it works for me, why do I have to worry about others? And it's that indifference and that pledge toward indifference, you know, that I believe has important progressive movement toward racial equity and racial reckoning. We'll be back with David Kirkland on the Recount Daily Pod. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected, or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Welcome back to the Recount Daily Pod, podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. We're here with David Kirkland, professor of urban education and executive director of NYU's Metropolitan Center. Idaho Governor Brad Little was among the first to sign a bill restricting the use of critical race theory in the schools. Since then, you've got governors in Oklahoma, Texas, Tennessee, and other Republican-led states doing the same. How do you win over these largely white Republicans who oppose what you're doing? Yeah, you're not going to win them over. But fortunately for us, we don't have to. You know, I would love for every American to believe in the promises of our country life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The idea of equality, that we are all created equal. I would love for us to authentically, legitimately believe in it. But that's not the case. Equity and equality for the privileged will feel like oppression because it requires that they give up things. Especially if those privileges come, you know, um, at the expense of other individuals within the social contract. And that's what we have. We have a tension of interest. Right. Some people who have enjoyed tremendous, tremendous privilege at the expense of others do not see equality as an interest of theirs. And it's not because they can't enjoy the extravagance of taking advantage of everything that they get to take advantage of. It means that you have to create room for other people. The equation here is what if you own the pie and all of a sudden you have to share the pie with other people? because other people are hungry too. Before you didn't have to share the pie, you just collected more pie for yourself. You just collected more and you felt good because you felt like you earned it, right? This myth of meritocracy. And now somebody tells you that everybody can have pie. You're not gonna not have pie, but you can't have as much pie as you currently enjoy. Let's share the pie. But we can actually make more pie and make the pie bigger. I think that's what we're arguing. Keep the pie you have, let's make the pie bigger. And I think that, that idea, the fundamental idea that we have a society that's based on a set of principles that require that we share the pie, equal representation, equal right to vote, that all of these things are uncomfortable to a lot of people. And that discomfort has caused the tension that you see. Remember, the legislation that's being passed around critical race theory, which isn't critical race theory legislation, right? The legislation that's being passed corresponds with legislation that's being passed to limit or eliminate the right to vote for particular individuals within society. So as you look at this, David, when you stand back and you look at race in America, where do you see America headed? 
in the next few years? Are you optimistic? What change needs to happen that'll make a difference? I'm extraordinarily optimistic. I'm extraordinarily optimistic because now we have to have the conversation. I want to thank my right-wing friends for putting critical race theory within the American lexicon because before only graduate students and law students, you know, I'm talked about critical race theory. Now everyone has to talk about critical race theory and you have to do the work to understand what it is. And once you do the work to understand what it is, critical race theory, which is not about ideology, it's about evidence, you have to stare at the evidence. And once you stare at that evidence, that evidence will make you uncomfortable. We believe that we are exceptional as Americans, but the evidence suggests otherwise. But we can aspire to our highest ideals. And once we look at that data, it's going to give us the map to aspire to our highest ideals. The other thing is, I've looked at the maps. I looked at the demographic shift. Now, the majority of students within U.S. public schools are non-white. By 2042, the country will be majority non-white. That's promising for what this country imagines itself as. It's extremely promising. Not only that, when I look at the political map, you know, we have more people who are identified as progressive than conservative. And we have even more people in the middle who haven't made up their minds. We have an opportunity right here. We have an opportunity right now to pledge our commitment to racial progress, pledge our commitment to going forward. And as much as history tells us that a step forward is always accompanied by a step back, much of history has been about two steps forward and only one step back. Still progress and progress is possible. And I believe and I believe deeply that the best way to predict the future is to invent it. And I believe that we can do that together. David Kirkland, professor of urban education and executive director of NYU's Metropolitan Center. Thank you for joining us, David. Thank you so much, Rena. Today, the Senate will hold a procedural vote on the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. The vote would put an end to debate on the bill, avoiding the possibility of a filibuster. Although the two sides already agree on a general framework for the bill, key provisions are still being negotiated, including how to pay for it. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer assured legislatures that today's vote isn't a, quote, fish or cut bait moment but added that the Senate needed to start the process in order to get the legislation through before the August recess. Analysts are saying the vote is likely to fail, leaving Schumer with limited options to get President Biden's signature bill across the finish line. Members of the largest nurses union in the country will hold a national day of action today. Demonstrations will be taking place outside and inside hospitals across the country. The goal is to highlight ongoing issues like safe patient care protocols and workplace safety made more urgent by the pandemic. According to National Nurses United, over 400 nurses have died from COVID. While the opening ceremony of the Tokyo Olympics doesn't happen until Friday, there are two games being played tonight, women's soccer and women's softball. This as the chief of the organizing committee said Tuesday that he would not rule out an 11th hour cancellation as more athletes test positive for the coronavirus. This year's games, which were postponed last year, will be held without spectators. I'll see you back tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. This is the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from Recount and iHeartRadio. Our thanks to David Kirkland for being on the show. If you like this episode, we hope you'll subscribe to the Recount Daily Pod and leave us a rating on the Apple Podcast app. I'm your host, Rena Ninen.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is Errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it any time or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at Errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.